Jesus, you are the voice of truth. And so in these next few moments, God, may we still the distractions of our minds, of our busy lives, and the voice of shame, and may we hear your voice, the voice of truth. Would you speak powerfully through your word that is living and active, and that has a fresh, new word of advice for us each today. We love you. We give you glory for what you are already doing in this place. And we ask, Lord, that you do it with a fresh one today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hello, church. I feel a little missing some things up here. I don't have my normal comfort uh, piece of equipment, which is my guitar. And you're a little bit of an older audience, used to my wonderful youth students. I'll just keep right here on the third row. All right, got a few over here. Um, so I'm stepping on to the waves a little bit here tonight, a little out of my comfort zone, but excited and ready to share. Yes. The word that I believe has got, that God has given me to give to the church tonight. So our pastors, Eric and Marsha, they are currently in West Virginia, sending their love from up north. They're celebrating KJ's first birthday. So I'm sure Facebook, she'll post all the pictures and have all the stories when they come home. But be praying for our pastors as they're taking some much-needed rest and are spending some time with their family, their son Daniel, and Lex, um, their daughter-in-law. So it's a good, good day in the house of the Lord, and it's also a good day up in West Virginia as they are celebrating KJ's first birthday. So my name is Tina. I'm not sure if I said that. I am the worship and the family pastor here at Church of God, Sarasota, and I am blessed to call this church my family and my home. And if you've been here for more than five seconds, I believe that you would say the same thing, or I pray that you would say the same thing. So whether it's your first time here tonight or your 500th time, welcome. Welcome. We've been doing a series this summer entitled Underneath. Doesn't that make you just want to jump in a swimming pool? Yes. With this weather, it does. <laughs> it does. And we've had a wonderful several weeks of diving into God's Word. Deuteronomy 33:27 has been the anthem for this series. And this scripture reads as follows. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Wow. <laughs> Let's just pause and think about those words on the screen. We have total access and complete coverage underneath God's everlasting arms. I could drop the mic or take it off and walk out and not be enough for tonight. The truth that we have protection and deliverance and refuge. Does anyone here need some refuge tonight from some storms in their life? Yeah, you can find that in God, the eternal God underneath his everlasting arms. So this is no catastrophic insurance plan that only covers like the worst case scenarios. No, God provides all full coverage and complete care simply just in his presence. He is that good. So through this series, I don't know about you, but I have been encouraged with this truth that I'm going to be okay. Can I get an amen? <laughs> because the eternal God is my refuge and I can find shelter underneath his arms. 
So this truth alone has encouraged me, and I've been reminded of the simple yet life-changing truth that this world will try to offer up a lot of short-term plans for safety and comfort, but I'm learning that only God can truly fill that void and provide true refuge. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. So last week, our rock star, Pastor Marsha, helped us find a little more freedom and healing under those everlasting arms. She exposed the truth about shame. Shame. Shame is enemy-authored, and it is not a human condition. It is a tactic of the enemy to keep us bound, and it will have no more space in our lives than we get an amen. So she talked about the importance of realizing that, yes, this is not a human condition, but it's enemy Satan authored. And so we can see this when we look back to the Garden of Eden, when God made humankind, Adam and Eve. In the beginning, there was no shame. It was perfect. God was, his spirit was walking about the garden, and there was peace, and it was good. The lines of bloom. But then it was after even Adam listened to the lying voice of the enemy that shame entered the world. Shame is, Marcia described, often the reason why people do the things that they do. It's true. She even gave us the textbook definition, I believe we have that for the screen. As a noun, shame is defined as a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. But Pastor Marcia, along with the help of this awesome weapon right here, God's Word, she gave us some hope on how to leave shame behind and find rest and refuge underneath God's everlasting arms. So I have that on the screen as well. Wrote it in my journal last week and have been coming back to it all week long, and hopefully you have too. So she said, if you don't want shame to keep you trapped, do these four things. First, confess your sin. Get real with God. He knows already anyways. But get real with yourself and God. Confess what you've done wrong. Second, believe that now God has forgiven you. You've confessed it. He's forgiven. You're free. Third, clean up your mess. This one might be a little harder to deal with. Maybe there's some consequences that you're having to face. But with God's grace, we can do it. And fourth, live in victory. I like that one. There's victory in the blood, right? All thanks to God and his amazing grace. So we, we can speak back with power and with authority when the enemy of our soul, Satan, or even some people around us, ooh, when they try to hold us down with the shackles of shame, we can speak with power and authority thanks to what God has done through the cross and through his son. So we have to know truth. So what is truth? Truth is found in God's word. And truth is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to know what truth is, read in the New Testament all the red letters, the words that Jesus spoke. He will lead you to truth because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So know truth and speak back to shame. She even gave us a few examples of how to speak to the enemy when those lies start coming up. For example, she said, you could confidently say in Jesus' name, I command you to leave. Or the sentence, no. Full sentence. Or how about, you are lying to me, and I will not believe your lies, shame. I'm over it. Or my personal favorite was, la, 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 I can't hear you. I 
can't hear you, shame. No longer the garment that I'm wearing. So tonight, I've been asked to talk about armor. So armor? Could it be this armor? No. How about this armor? Nope, not armor hammer. How about this armor? I think I got it now. Nope, not armor at all. Works, but not what we're talking about tonight. I think that this is an even better picture of what armor looks like. The armor of God. The armor, the very armor that he gives and dresses us with. Or, let's even go a little further. Shall we thrive, you students? Let's see a picture of what the armor of God looks like while on a person. I got the permission to share these pictures before they went on the screen. <laughs> Harper, let's just give a, a round of applause for Harper. She is serving in the tech booth, doing those lyrics like a champ, and she's so probably loving that I'm pointing her out right now. But um, Harper is wearing the armor of God. Another example of our wonderful Thrive students, Micah. Give it up for Micah. So I believe his words on Thursday at YouTube were, this is public humiliation. <laughs> and last but not least, we had a third group. Look at Cheyenne. Fully dressed, ready to stand against whatever Satan throws her way. Stand proud, girl. You look great. <laughs> so as you can see, at Youth Group on Thursday, we had some fun with aluminum foil. No children were harmed in the efforts of this example. And um, had a great time looking at Ephesians chapter 6. And I would encourage you, I'm not going to do a whole lot of diving into that chapter tonight. But if you're looking for a good book to read in the Bible, Ephesians is so good. And so Ephesians chapter 6 talks all about how when the enemy attacks, how do we stand? Well, we dress daily with the armor, the full armor of God. So we had some fun at youth group this week talking about the armor of God. Thank you students for allowing me to share that. <laughs> so after stripping away the unhelpful burden of shame last week at Church of God Sarasota, it's time to now talk about what armor God is asking us to place on so that we can stand firm at the end of the day. So we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel um, chapter 17. I'm going to just quickly summarize a little bit of backstory with chapter, um, excuse me, 16. And talk about what's leading up to um, the role of David in Goliath. So 1 Samuel 16 there's a man who's leading at this time. His name is Saul. And King Saul had made some, um, we'll just say mistakes, some major mistakes in his career. And so the Lord, he directs a man by the name of Samuel to go to Bethlehem to find a man named Jesse. For he, it was time for King Saul to be done and for a new king to be selected. So the only thing on the resume that the Lord tells Samuel to look for is not money or impressive clothing or even status, but he says, look at his heart. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected that. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, 
keep this in mind as we go forward. So to continue in the story, 1 Samuel 16, the father named Jesse, he brings out his sons, picture like a lineup here, they come out, he's got a lot of them, and he believes that he's got the best and the brightest for the pick right here. So he, I'm sure he's confident he's going to choose the oldest, right? The firstborn, he's got the most experience. But Samuel, he says, none of these. Nope, is this all you got? So Jesse then, the father, almost reluctantly, he brings out his last son, his youngest son. And guess where he was at the time of this lineup? He was serving. He was in the fields being a shepherd and working unto the Lord. So this youngest son's name was David. You might have heard his name if you've ever been to a VBS or VBX, if you go to Church of God, Sarasota, or if you grew up in church, or if it's the first time you're hearing his name, we're going to learn about David and how he, what, he wore well the armor that God had given him. So his name often will go with another, and that is Goliath. So when Samuel meets the young boy David, he does something very special. He takes some olive oil, brings David forward, and he anoints him. And the scriptures say that the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him from that day on. So God's got some plans for this dude. Samuel leaves this meeting, and he goes about to the next mission. He was obedient to the Lord and moves on. So David, he goes on from here to help serve King Saul. And he kind of goes a little bit back and forth, helping his family still with the flocks, with the sheep, and then also going back to help King Saul. So King Saul, like I mentioned, he's definitely um, a man who's struggling. He's scripture saying that he's dealing with some tormenting spirits, so he's got some dark things that he's working through. And what David would do, he would go into Saul's presence and he would play the harp. He was a musician too, he did it all and would bring the Spirit of God into the room and change the atmosphere. And so that is another way that David was serving. So we move on. We get to 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you have your sword, aka your Bible, pull it out, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 17. It will also be on the screen, and I'm reading from the New International Version just for your reference. So at the start of this chapter, we find that the Israelites, who were David's people, they were in a bit of a pickle. A nine-foot-tall giant named Goliath was tormenting and threatening the Israelites daily. Goliath, he belonged to a group called the Philistines. Speaking of armor, Goliath had it. This was pretty cool. I did a little research as to what armor and garb he was wearing. So this nine-foot-tall giant, I thought I was tall. This dude's even taller. He wore a bronze helmet on his head, a coat of scale armor of bronze that weighed 5,000 shekels. So in pounds, translating that, it's about 125 pounds. Can you imagine carrying that around on your chest all day long? That was just his, his um, breastplate, you could say, the armor that he's wearing over his chest. He also had bronze greaves on his legs. That's just a piece of armor that's protecting his shins. And then he also carried this huge javelin over, slung over his back, and the iron point tip alone, just the end of the spear, weighed 600 shekels, which converts to about 15 pounds, just the end of the spear. So this guy's big. But we'll soon find that David's armor, the armor that God gives, it was much more impressive and successful at the end of the day. 
So let's begin. This is 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening, and he took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this Eva of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and herd to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are. Bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with the shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. We've got to show them. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Goth, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. So David, verse 26, asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Pause. David knew where his refuge was found. He knew where his help came from, and it was in the living God. We see that in his response. He says, who is this giant who should defy the armies of the living God? So he knew. I know where my help comes from. I know where my refuge comes from. And he is not seeking the same refuge that I am. So David knew where his refuge or his help was from. Verse 27. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, look out for those brothers. I've got three of them. They're trouble. He heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Do you hear the voice of shame in his own brother's words? Ouch. So what does David do? Well, let's see. Verse 29. Now what have I done? Said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away. Sometimes you just need to turn away. When the voice of shame and the, the fingers are pointing loud, you just need to turn away and trust that the living God is going to take care of it. So David turns away to someone else. He's like, I'm not even listening to you. La, 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 la. Turns away and brings up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul, King Saul, sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, 
and he has been a fighting man from his youth. Continue the voice of shame. You're not enough. You can't do this. Just sit down and be quiet. But what does David do? David said to Saul, verse 34, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Mic drop. Again, David knew where his refuge, where his help came from, the living God. So you see how in verse 37 there, how did David know? How did he know that he could find refuge, he could find protection under God's arms? Well, he remembered the moments in his life where God had delivered protection and delayed the enemy from killing, stealing, and destroying his life. He remembered the moments when the bear came and the wolves came, but he defeated them with God's strength and his help. So I want to say tonight, if you're struggling to believe that God is your refuge, that he is, in fact, a safe place to land, a safe place to call home, I would encourage you to look back and remember, just as David did, remember the moments when God delivered you. And if you are breathing, which all of you hopefully still are, then I would bet to believe that you have been delivered a time or two. You still have breath in your lungs, so there's still purpose for your life. And so you have been delivered. It might not be this huge delivered from death moment, it doesn't have to be, but it could be a simple delivered you from that job, or that group of people, or that mindset, or that way of living, or fill in the blank. So we do this at youth group sometimes when things are going crazy, I tell them to close their, close their eyes, so would you do this exercise with me? Close your eyes, church. Get into a comfortable position, your feet on the floor, and just take a huge breath in and out. Do that one more time. Breathe in and out. With each breath that you are taking, church, it's speaking of faith and deliverance, the purpose that God has for your life. If you have breath in your lungs, you can testify that you've been delivered. Delivered from the attack of the enemy that has tried since day one to take you out in small and in big ways. For some of you in every way and in others, maybe not experienced it yet, but it will come. But no, you know where your refuge comes, comes from, and that is the living God. So picking back up, verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. So this is not the armor that God had necessarily given him, but a well-meaning king who thought, well, you're going into battle, you need some army, tries to give him his own. But then he replies, I cannot go on these, David's head to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. He took them off. If David had tried to fight in that armor that day, it would have just been a heavy burden to carry. It would have kept him from fighting free, 
and fighting the way that God had intended and created him to fight. So in the world's eyes, it made sense, right, for him to wear this armor. I'm sure it was the best of the best. This is King Saul's armor. I'm sure it was beautiful and very sturdy, but it was not the armor that God was asking David to wear. So in the world's eyes, it made sense. Wear the king's armor, you'll be protected. But David was not called to do things like the rest of the world, and neither are we. David was called to do it God's way, and he was called to do it the way that God had prepared and impassioned him to do it. So David wasn't formed and fashioned to fight in the king's armor. No, he was prepared and impassioned to fight like a humble shepherd with just a sling and a stone. Picking back up, verse 40. Then David took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. The enemy knows that he's all on the losing side. <laughs> Wants to pretend and make you believe that he's not, but he will lose. He has lost. We can look to the cross and the empty grave to know that. So verse 43, he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Look out, Goliath. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the purposes of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Second mic drop. David was not playing. He came knowing that he was on the victorious side. He knew, once again, where his refuge lies in the eternal, everlasting God. And so he was able to step up, maybe a little shaky, but confident that his God was with him and would give him victory. So, verse 47, let's see what happens. I know you're on the edge of your seat. I can see it. Verse 47, all that's gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So David, he did not need the armor that was given to and expected of him to wear. But we were about to see the victory was his. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a single stone. He slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And the crowd went wild. That day, all that David needed to do was put on the armor that God had already given him. So see, as a child of God, which David was, 
Hopefully you are too. As a child of God, David already had access to the battle-altering armor that only God can give. So before King Saul even attempted to give and dress David in his armor, David was fully equipped and the enemy was no match because he had access to the power of God within and the purposes of his plan that had already prepared and propelled him to that very moment. So all the armor that he needed that day was two things, the power of God and the purposes of his plan. The power of God found through simple belief. I believe that Jesus is Lord, and he came, he died for the sins of the world, taking and making a way for me to know God so I could live with him eternally. I believe in the power, the saving power of God. So when he believed, he knew that God was real. He knew that he was alive and able to defeat any enemy. He had faith in something way bigger than himself. And the purposes of God's plan, the purposes of God, this was found in all the preparations that had prepared and gotten David ready for this very moment. Seasons of waiting, seasons of rest, seasons of faithfully serving and trusting God, they're never wasted. David shows us this. They're actually preparing us just as they prepared him to fight the battles in God's name. So the armor that protected David that day was his faith in a God that he knew could deliver him once again from his enemies. He knew that the same God that delivered him from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear could also deliver him from this Philistine giant. So David, he allowed God to use this past season of preparation, his upbringing, his experiences, his surroundings, even his family ties, he allowed God to use that season to equip him for the battle that day. So with his faith in a more than capable God and his sling that was carrying the very things that once kept him safe from the prowling enemies of the fields, he defeated the giant. So it's time for us, church. It's time for our giants in our lives to fall in defeat today. In Jesus' name, we have all that we need. Too long have we listened to the voice of shame that mocks, confuses, and just flat out distracts us. It's time for us to once again listen to the voice of truth. It is the voice of truth that calls us to, to boldly climb out of the boat, out of our comfort zone where we've been stuck for too long. It's the voice of truth that tells us to not be afraid, for he's with us wherever we go. It's the voice of truth that calls us to boldly also fight the enemy, stand up for what's right, and step out in faith, believing that God is greater and has purposed everything to prepare us for what giants lie ahead. For it's the same God who calms the waves and walks confidently on top of the water. It's the same God who now today calls us to keep our eyes on him as we step out into the unknown, out of our comfort zones to experience more of him. The same God who used a humble shepherd boy to defeat a mighty armor still today is seeking for simple servants, willing and ready to be used for his glory to overcome evil with good. The same God who parted a large body of water so that his people could save, seek safety from another pursuing army is alive and leading us still today. The same God who sheltered three young men in a blazing furnace 
is seeking today for more ways to display his might, his glory, and his power here on the earth. He's the same God today who once shut the mouths of lions, providing refuge for Daniel. He's the same God today who kept his word and delivered his promise to give a child to a rather weary yet hopeful old couple. And he's the same God today, providing the same refuge underneath the shelter of his everlasting arms of church. It's available for each and every one of us. So the question is this. How will we respond to this God who is just as capable and just as able to do all of this and so much more in the world today? What do we do with this? We read these stories and we wonder, okay, but how does this apply to me? I don't see any nine-foot giants walking around. Well, he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so I believe that we can read these stories that, yes, was a lot of text today, but I felt led to, lead, to read that all for you to be in the story, to see the, the moments of decision that, that David had to stand for what was right and to say, yes, I'm, I believe my refuge is in God and he's able to defeat this enemy because he is the living God. And so we can read these stories of faith and know that we can do it too because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So may we be church, may we be the Peters who are willing to leave our comfort zones and go where he calls us. May we be like Moses, available to lead others from a life of slavery to a life of abundance found only in Jesus. May we be the Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigos, the three in the fire, willing to risk it all for the glory of the Lord. And may we be the Davids, boldly standing to fight the enemy with the armor that not the world, but that God has already given. He has equipped us, church, for every good work. We must simply put our faith in a powerful God who is more than able. And as we trust him and believe that his purposes up to this point and beyond are for his good, my good, and also his glory. So let's put on the full armor of God, church. What armor does he give us? Well, like we saw via aluminum foil earlier, he gives us the helmet of salvation to protect our minds and save our souls, to change our eternity. Hallelujah. All because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, taking our place so that we could be made right with God. He gives us the breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart. He gives us the sword of the Spirit to defeat the lies of the enemy that are loud but so untrue. He gives us the belt of truth to hold us together and keep us on the straight and the narrow. He gives us shoes of peace to guide our steps and decisions. And he gives us the shield of faith to fight off the enemy so that God's church may grow here on earth. The good news is, in this, we are not fighting alone. Look to your right. Look to your left. It's the church. You're not alone. And so I was, as I was preparing and doing some research for tonight, I thought of this image. I think it's from a movie I saw once. Who knows? I love movies. But I thought of this image, and I thought, wow, what, what an image of the church in action on the battlefield. So check out this image. If you can see here, the, the black kind of, it's kind of reflected, so it almost looks like a, a sphere, but it's actually just half of a circle. And so underneath that circle would be, I mean, 20 to 30 soldiers underneath, holding up their shields, holding on to their faith, ready with their truth, 
with God's truth, ready to defeat the enemy, ready to stand together. And so nothing's getting in there. No lie is going to, no dart, no arrow is going to make it through that shield. When we are together, when we are united, all under the same cause, which is Jesus Christ, and we are moving together, we move to the right, we move together, we move to the left, we move together. And it's all with God as our commander. And so I thought of this picture. It's actually the Romans called it, I believe, the turtle. I'm not too much of a history buff, but that's what um, Google told me. So uh, the Roman soldiers called it the turtle, but I think it's called the church. <laughs> and that's us holding the shield page. Yeah. Working together for a common cause to help set the campus free and spread the good news of the gospel for the entire world. But it starts with us. So let's fight this battle well, church. Let's answer a few questions. Our pastors always do a beautiful job each Saturday for providing a space for response. We believe that something happens when you hear truth and then you respond. It makes you want to respond, but I can promise you I've been there. If you just stay in your seat and don't respond and pridefully say, I'm not going to move, usually you leave feeling worse. <laughs> I've been there, trust me. But we're going to encourage you tonight to respond. Do you have to leave your seat? No, there is no shame. In the name of Jesus, <laughs> no shame in this, in this space, but know that there are ways to respond. And so there's a few questions I want to ask, and then I'll talk about those ways that you can respond here tonight. The first question is this. How has God prepared you to fight your battles? After he reveals that, give him some praise for his purposes. And so this, my friends, is just looking back, remembering all that God has brought you through. A simple example, I thought back to when I was a sophomore in high school. I was a homebody and loved the comforts of home, my small town, but I felt that summer that God was calling me to work at a Christian camp. And so I decided to work there that summer and my life has changed. Heard my call to ministry there, worked there for two more summers, and now looking back, I can see how that season prepared me for even this season now. Because after that, after graduating high school, God moved me to the next season of going to college all the way to Indiana. Woo, Indiana! I have some friends from Indiana originally here in the space. And learned how to depend on the Lord there, going to Anderson University for four years. Met Erica Marsha. Look at the purposes of God there. And then, fast forward, um, fast forward a few years, hearing the call of God to move here even farther from the comfort zone, right? And so I thought of that simple example. How has God prepared me to fight my battles? Well, he's asked me to take some big steps. Has it been worth it? 100% yes. Always worth it when God is calling. And so maybe it's a positive example like that that was full of some you know, hard moments for sure and still can be. It's never perfect, but uh, those moments that have prepared you for your current season and battle of life now. So take some moment, moments and give God praise for his purposes. And if you can't see the purpose in it now, trust him. There's purpose. Second question, what armor is God asking you to take off today? So what is it that you just need to leave at the altar and not pick it back up? We know, as we talked last week, shame is one of those things we are ripping off and many of you came and responded and wrote on the cross of something, whether it was a lie that you've struggled with or been told all your life, 
And it was heartbreaking to read those things, but also freeing to realize that, wow, God is revealing that this is not me and this is not true. And so people were laying at the foot of Jesus and were leaving more free. And so hallelujah. So cool. So maybe that's something that God is asking you to take off today. A lying voice of shame in your life. Maybe it's pride or old habits, ways of surviving. Maybe it's so-and-so's advice, even people that mean well, like the King Saul's in your life who want to see you succeed but just have a lot of opinions but are not matching up with what God is saying. Maybe that armor you need to take off and lay down and trust in Jesus' hands. Maybe it's your own strength today. It's one I try to pick up all the time. It's not the armor that's going to last at the end of the day. Only God's strength. So answer that question for yourself. What armor is God asking you to take off and lay at the feet of Jesus? And the third question, what armor is God asking you to put on? It starts with salvation. And as always, this is what better day than today than for salvation. Salvation just means that you are being saved from your sins. You are a new creation in, in Jesus Christ. Your identity is a child of God and changes everything. Your whole future, your eternity. When you know God, you confess that you have messed up and you need saving. You need a savior. You need Jesus. And so if that's you tonight, if you're in this place and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, why wait? The battle starts right there with salvation. If you, if you need some armor, you've been trying it on your own and it's just not working and you're tired, then I would encourage you to find rest and refuge in the shelter of our everlasting God. There is refuge and strength there and freedom in Jesus' name. So there's the pastors around this room. I'll be here in the front. If you need to, someone to pray with or you just need to come and, and pray yourself. So it starts with salvation. Maybe it's putting on the armor of God, his righteousness, his spirit, his truth, his peace, his faith. Maybe God is asking you to put on the armor of gratitude and just give him praise for all that he's done and the protection that he's given you in the battle. Praise God. What armor is God asking you to put on today? So I'd encourage you to answer those questions today. Give God some praise and meet with him in this space. I'm going to pray the worship team can come forward at this time as we wrap up the message, but know that these altars, these steps are open. And this cross is always open. So this is a new station over here to my right, your left. If you want to come and write a request and leave it at the feet of Jesus, write it on a piece of tape, rip it off and plaster it on the cross. If you would find freedom by ripping off the lies or the voice of shame that you've listened to for took so long, then write that down and also plaster it to the cross. You can plaster whatever you want to the cross. He will take it and respond that way. The tape and the markers are over there. You can also come over here to my left, your right, and light a candle. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the way, the truth, the life. And if you want to just give him praise for all the protection that he's given you through the battles, through the years, and the protection he's given right now, come and light a candle and respond that way. Respond in your seat. Sing this song. The worship team's going to do a marvelous job of singing the song, Same God. Be reminded that he is the same God that he was that day for David. He's the same God today that he was back then for Shadrach, Meshach, and Benigo in the furnace. He is the same God today available for you and for me. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you.
for your word. Thank you for the truth that it holds, the freedom that it gives, and the life that it just breathes into each of us. I pray that as we respond tonight to your word that's living and active, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will move in this place like a fresh new wind coming in, removing all the old, taking off the old armor that is heavy and no longer ours to wear, but placing on the things of you, God. Thank you for your righteousness, for making a way for us to be made right with you, God, through your son, Jesus. Thank you for the faith that you give us. Lord, help us in our unbelief. We're human and we doubt sometimes, but we're claiming tonight freedom and faith and knowing that you are the God that you killed the giant back then and you can still today defeat the giants in our lives. So Lord, give us faith. Thank you for your truth. Hold us together. Your sword, Lord, that your spirit brings and your, your truth, your word brings, the freedom and the defense that it gives. The helmet of salvation, Lord, your salvation that changes everything and writes our story and gives us a purpose. Thank God your peace. Oh, that shows us how to walk, where to walk, and um, how to live our lives. We'd be lost without it. We'd be lost without you, Jesus. And so in these next remaining moments, Lord, may we not just sit, but also um, in your presence respond, whatever that looks like for each person. As we sing these words in faith, Lord, I believe that as we sing your praises, you're going to hear faith expressed in this space. So Lord, increase our faith here today. Show us how to fight our battles, knowing that we are fighting from victory with your help. We love you, Father. Have your way in our hearts here today. We do all this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Let's respond.